there are a few things I've been more nervous about than when I came up here and started to move a chair and a table in front of everyone. But it worked out, and so uh, it's a pleasure to be here again this morning. How many people still have like a perfect bracket? <laughs> Good, okay. Uh, so I often will make little jokes at the Bengals and the area teams, so I'm going to give you a treat and make fun of IU real quick. Uh, although I just saw a Kentucky fan and thought of another joke that's separate, but um, what do you call an Indiana Hoosier who has a, an NCAA basketball championship? A senior citizen is the answer. So <laughs> that's hurtful and hard. Uh, so I've got to say this. Uh, what do you call a Purdue University student? Someone who was rejected from IU. There we go. Okay. <laughs> so, now <we're> <laughs> so now we're good. And I'll stop there while I'm still here. Uh, we are in the Fearless Prayer series. And throughout this series, we're going through the Lord's Prayer, and we're talking about fearless prayer, about praying big, about praying prayers of dependence, like we're talking about this week, about praying prayers of repentance, about praying to God. Dwayne was up here and talked about the 21-day challenge and how important it is to continue to challenge ourselves, to continue to allow other people to challenge us, to allow God to challenge us. And so today, I want to just start with uh, Matthew 6:11, which is our main verse for the prayer of dependence. And we all know this, it is, give us today our daily bread. I think I have a slide, but I might not. Yes, give us today our daily bread. And so this is literal. This is saying, pray for what you need. Pray for what you need. Pray and depend on God to provide. That does not mean that we're all going to get manna from heaven. But when we depend on him to provide us a way, when we depend on him to provide us a, a chance, when we depend on him to provide us opportunities, that's when we truly get close and that's when we truly build that relationship. That's when we truly find who we are. And so I wanted to go from this to a scripture when I was praying about the, the prayer of dependence, when I was praying about this topic, when I was praying about this message, I thought of a, a, an instance in the Bible, and there's several where people depended on God, but one where Paul and Silas specifically depended on him and then received what should have been an answer to most of us but was just another call to depend on him. And so I want to go to Acts uh, chapter 16, verses 22 through 34. A mob quickly fo uh, formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. So we start here. Paul and Silas were singled out because they were following Jesus, because they were preaching the word, because they were just helping people. They were doing nothing wrong. And so that's an important starting place. They were arrested for nothing, just for not being liked. But more than that, uh, they both appeared to be Jewish. And so the Romans were just going in there and saying, no, 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 you guys are not going to tell us how to live. You guys are not going to do this. And so they get vague, wrongful charges. And then they're beaten on top of that, beaten horribly, stripped and beaten and embarrassed and humiliated. And I guarantee that while they're being beaten, they're being mocked and they're being made fun of. And probably they're saying bad things about Jesus too. And they're just really throwing everything at them. And so Paul and Silas are feeling lost. They're feeling hurt. They're feeling defeated, I would imagine. This is an absolute chance where a lot of people would say, God's not here. 
I didn't do anything wrong. How could I be punished for this? Why would God do this to me? Why would God allow this to happen? It would be such a low point for Paul and Silas to deal with. Because again, they did literally nothing wrong. In fact, they were helping people. And they're tossed in jail. They're hurt. Everything wrong is happening. And so let's look at how they respond, how they depend. Because if they didn't depend on God, this is a bad sermon and we're done. Uh, Verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I want to read that line again. Because this is not like days later, weeks later, months later, years later. The same day that they were wrongfully accused, that they were beaten, that they were arrested, that they were mocked, that they were hated, that they were humiliated. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. That's an important part too. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell fell off. This may be where Dr. Seuss got the idea of the Grinch. Because, let me stay with me for a second. Basically, the jailer had been a part of them being beaten, been a part of them being mocked. Who knows how much he did, but he was involved. And so their Christmas was taken away. Their power was taken away. Their everything was taken away. And yet, what are they doing? They're praying and singing to God because that can never be taken away. Because that's who they depend on. A lot of us, maybe all of us, a lot of people, period, throughout time, in this situation, would be really discouraged, for one. And then we'd be trying everything to talk our, way out, talk our ways out of the prison, to get out of the prison, to escape, to do something. We would be trying to depend on ourselves. We would maybe try to depend on putting a poster on the wall and digging a hole behind it. Just made up that situation. No, um... We would be depending on other things. We would be looking to other things. Paul and Silas, in what would be considered the darkest moment for most people, are praying and singing to God. Because it is really easy to depend on God in a church. When we're sitting here and we're together and we're worshiping, it's really easy to depend on God when things are going pretty well. When we like our job, when we like the people around us, when family's okay, when our team's in the tournament still, which I don't even know what that's like, you'll have to tell me. But we depend on him then, and it's pretty easy. But then something bad happens. Maybe we lose our job. Maybe we get hurt. Maybe we lose someone. Maybe somebody says something awful about us or about somebody we love. Maybe something just horrible in the world happens, and it drags us down. That's when it's hard to depend on him. That's when we look to other things, other places, other people. That's when we look to politics, to the news, to the weather, to whatever to depend on, because it's what we see. But we look here at Paul and Silas, who depend on God even in that moment. And then imagine this. Imagine that you're there with them, and they're praying and they're singing and they're asking God to be with them, to help them, to to deliver them, and every chain falls off. And the doors fly open and there's an earthquake. How clear could that be as an answer to prayer? How many of us would stand up and run out Immediately. And we'd be like, yeah, this is right. This is God answering me. Because sometimes the hardest time to depend on God is when we see something in front of us that appears like the solution. Because we can pray and we have this this idea in our head. My title is Satisfaction, and that comes from a song. Uh, I believe the Rolling Stones. I'm not a huge music guy. And I'm going to get this line wrong. 
but I believe it's, uh, if you, tr you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes you can get what you need, is that correct? Okay. So, okay, wow, some of you are singing this straight through, that's fine. Uh, so, um, but I'm more of a musical guy. But, uh, so you can't always, or if you try sometimes you'll get what you need. We pray for what we want sometimes, all the time, maybe. And so we look for that as the answer, and we depend on that as the answer. But God gives us what we need, our daily bread, not our daily cake, our daily bread. He gives us what we need. And so Paul and Silas, anyone would have been justified in saying, this is it, this is the answer, this is what he's telling us. Because we also look at things as if we're the main characters in our story. We look at things as if, well, you know, everything else revolves around me, and we don't think, I'm not saying egotistically, but like, we think in terms of being the main character. If you're a video game person, we think in terms of first person. And we think like that. We're the character. We're the person. We still love everybody. We still help everybody. But we think like, okay, this is my story. And, you know, we go out, and when we leave a room, everybody kind of goes off to the corners and waits for us to come back. But it's not our story. It's God's story. And we get to play a part in it. And that is so awesome and so amazing and so powerful. And so if Paul and Silas had thought of this as their story, they wouldn't have paid attention to everyone else around them. Uh, C.S. Lewis, who I quote a lot because I love him. And to me, he's kind of the modern, although I guess he's not modern anymore, uh, the kind of modern day Paul. He wrote a lot of Christian things. He was a thinker. He did so much. And so the quote, you may forget that you are at every moment totally dependent on God. Not in the good times, not even just in the bad times, not when we see an answer in front of us, not when we have questions in front of us, but every moment we are dependent upon God. That's how we live. And that is a blessing. Because we get things wrong all the time. Again, you can see my bracket. There's a lot of things wrong there. God doesn't. God doesn't get things wrong. And so looking at this, we would pray for something, pray for escape, pray for release, pray for a way out, and then it's provided. So what do we do? Give us today our daily bread. It can be a powerful prayer. I'm going to tell a little story of back, it's not like, it's not as important as being in prison and all of this, but uh, several, I guess years ago now because COVID shut down everything, uh, I go to musicals sometimes. And I was going to one, I was excited. I had a busy day before that, like there was a lot of stuff here at the church. And so I was going straight from here to downtown. I hadn't had a chance to eat all day. And so all that was in my mind was a picture of the Potbelly sandwich store there on the corner near Aronoff. And that chicken salad sandwich. Big fan of that. Uh, I didn't hear any cheers, so I guess I'm alone. But uh, I wanted that sandwich. And so I'm thinking of it, and I'm hungry. Now, I'm obviously not starving, but I'm hungry, and so I'm ready to go get it, and I want it, and that's all I'm thinking about, and I'm like, I'd, it'd be awful if I'm sitting during the musical and my stomach starts growling, so I've got to get this. And so I go down there, and I buy the sandwich, because that's what I do, and so I bought the sandwich, and I'm walking to the Aronoff, and somebody comes up who was begging for money. Now, I don't carry cash, because I don't have cash, but I don't carry cash, and, uh, you know, they're like, hey, can I have some money? I'm like, I don't have any. I'm sorry. And then they say, uh, and I always feel guilty then regardless. And then they say, hey, well, 
there's an ATM over there. Why don't I follow you, to follow you to the ATM? Now, regardless of their motives or whatever, I don't really want anybody standing behind me at an ATM. Maybe Sean, but other than that. And so I'm like, ah, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't want to. And I had all these things in my head. And, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll try to get some for next time or something, whatever we say. And so I started walking away. And then I felt God say, you realize that you got a sandwich in your hand. You can afford to get another sandwich. What are you doing? And so I looked at that chicken salad sandwich, and I'm going to be honest, I was kind of thinking, I hope that he doesn't like chicken salad. <laughs> and so I walk up to him, and I say, hey, do you like chicken salad? And he kind of looks at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I, got, I just got this. Do you need some food? And he said, yes. And he took it, and I went to the musical, and I'm alive still. In that moment, and I am by no means perfect or even somebody to shoot for, but in that moment, it would have been so easy to justify and be like, well, I don't have any cash, and I can't go to my ATM, and I'm in a hurry, and so I'm just going to go, and he'll be okay. Somebody else will help him. But I depended on God for the right way to go, for the right thing to do, for the, the way to help. And so again, that's not a serious thing like the, the prison for Paul and Silas. But so many times in my life, I have prayed for something, and God has provided something better and more necessary. Back in Seymour, when I was first starting in the ministry, uh, I was working full-time, but only being paid part-time, so I had to live in a horrible house. I just lost my home for various reasons, and so I had to live in a horrible house, praying, paying not very much. One time, my cable line literally got cut by somebody who wanted cable. It's like, not the safest place in the world. Three separate times, I truly thought I wasn't going to be able to pay my bills that month. Three separate times, I got checks from Indiana Wesleyan or from some loan that I'd had that's like, hey, you know, you overpaid back in or whenever, and I got enough money to cover it. Got news for you, colleges don't do that. That's not what I expected, but it was what I needed. God gave me what I needed. He always does. It's, I try to live, I live by love God, love others, but I try to live by the word joy. Jesus, then others, then you. And so that's what Paul and Silas are faced with here. Because again, they prayed and their prayer was answered. And so we go to verse 27. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Had they left, the jailer's dead. Now, it would be really easy to justify that. Not to be happy that he's dead, but to be like, uh, you know, this is on him. He, he did this. He's a part of this. He's a part of the problem. I, I don't want him to be dead, but... He could have let them go. He knew they were in there wrongfully. He did this. He did that. It would have been really easy to start justifying that. And to walk out of there and say, I didn't know that was going to happen. But here's the thing. Paul knew that was going to happen. They knew the law. They knew that the jailers had to do that if somebody escaped. And so that's why they stayed. Because they saw that God had provided them a way out. But they knew that other people were involved. 
Jesus, others, you, they knew that even though their needs may be put off, someone else's were in front of them by God. And so they stayed. And the jailer lived. And what happens immediately? Immediately he falls down and starts asking for help. He's like, how do I live like you? So if they leave, they're safe, they're fine. They touch a lot more lives. Paul would have still started churches. He still would have been a missionary. He still would have been a minister. Silas and him would have done so much good. And what's one life? It happens. Maybe his family still comes to Jesus. And yet they stayed because they depended on God for an answer. And then they trusted him to let them know when to follow that answer, when to follow that path. And so the jailer is saved. Not just life-wise, but life-wise. He was saved. They depended on him for more than just a solution. Because the lives of others outweighed their own. Because God's story was the story they were living, not their own. That is the hardest thing to learn sometimes. It's the hardest thing to know because we have, uh, everybody here has an okay life. I know that we have struggles and we have problems and there's money problems and there's relationship problems. We get that, that's true. But we're here and we're alive and we're able to dress and come to church and all this stuff. But we still have issues and struggles and hard times. So it's easy to just focus on that and be like, what am I, I can't worry about everybody else. I got to worry about myself. And I'm not saying to sell your house and go and buy somebody else something and do that. But I'm saying when we pray for something from God. Don't just think about what he's giving us, but how he can use us in the answering. How we can depend on him to be more, to do more. How we define ourselves. Going to verse 31. They replied, believe in the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone else in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Because they all believed in God. Because Paul and Silas prayed for an answer, saw what appeared to be an answer, but waited to trust God. And now more lives, a whole household was saved. And who knows how many lives that household changed. Because I guarantee that that prison guard, he's like, I got to tell you what happened last night. Everybody could have escaped and I would have been dead, but God was there. And so that touched people's lives. And then he comes to Paul and he says, what do I do? Now some would try to make it hard on him because he hurt us. You're like, you got to change, you got to do this, you got to do that. But he's already repentant. He's already down on his knees. He's already asking for God. And so Paul says, give your heart to God. Give your heart to God. Follow him. And so because they defined themselves as God's hands and feet and not as individuals and not as superstars and not even as pastors and not even as Christians. Because they defined themselves as God's people. Because they depended on him. Because they trusted him. Because they followed him. Because they prayed to him. A household was saved. Now here's the twist. These laws didn't apply to Roman citizens. There are two separate laws. Rome and everybody else. Paul was a Roman citizen. He could have thrown that card immediately. Like, hey, you can't do this. But Silas couldn't have. 
And so he stayed with him and he trusted God. He's like, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be hard, but I'm going to go through it for God. And I'm going to see where he leads me. Because sometimes our destination has a really windy, difficult road to get to. And we start to question on those curves. I'm depending on God, but I don't see a way forward. But he's there. He never leaves us. Depending on him is the one thing that will never change, the one thing that will never go against us, the one thing that will never be wrong. Paul and Silas defined themselves as God's people, not Rome's people, not Jewish people, not ministers. They defined themselves as God's people. It is so easy to find our identity other places. To define ourselves as a Democrat, as a Republican, as an Independent. To define ourselves as a Methodist, as a Nazarene, as a Wesleyan. To define ourselves as a mother, as a father, as a daughter, as a student, as an athlete. To define ourselves in all of these ways. And not all of those are bad. But imagine that you're one of the athletes in the tournament right now. And you define yourself as a college basketball player. Guess what happens after college? You're not a college basketball player anymore. So you have to redefine yourself. Imagine if you define yourself by whatever your job is right now. What happens if you change jobs? What happens if you lose your job? If you define yourself by a relationship, what happens if that relationship changes? What happens if you lose that relationship? There is another quote that I want to use. And this is from Lecrae, who is a rapper. Uh, he's a Christian rapper. He actually toured with Billy Graham on his last tour. And I love this song. I've loved this song for a long time. It's called Identity. And the quote is, identity is found in the God we trust. Any other identity will self-destruct. And that's so true. And again, these aren't bad identities. To be a pastor, to be a, a worship minister, to be a sound tech, to be a mother, to be a father... Those are good. But those can change. Defining ourselves in God, that never changes. That's what we depend on. We depend on him for identity. We depend on him for who we are. Our first step of dependence is defining ourselves and looking at ourselves with God's eyes. This is the hard part. You may have wondered why is there a mirror up here? I'm not going to do magic tricks. I'm not even sure what a magic trick I could do with a mirror is. I wish I could do magic. That'd be kind of cool. But, side note, there's a mirror over here, and I am avoiding walking over to it, because when I look in this, I do not see what God sees. I do not even see what you guys see. I look in this mirror, and I see every flaw. And I see everything that's wrong. And I see that my glasses are a little dirty. And I see everything that's messed up about me in me. And so I avoid mirrors. And I don't like them. And I don't like having a giant one right next to me. But we have 
to remember where our identity is found. It's not found in our height. It's not found in the way we look. It's not found in the way our clothes fit. It's not found in what other people say and what other people think. It's not found in anything but God. And so the challenge that I'm giving to you today, it's weird to talk to myself, the challenge is when you go home, I want you to look in your mirror. I don't care what your makeup's like, how much hair you have, look in your mirror. And I want you to pray. Pray like Paul and Silas did in prison. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Repeat the Lecrae quote. Pray just a prayer that you have in your heart. Talk to God, whatever it is. Look in that mirror. And start to redefine yourself. I'm going to walk away from this before I break it. Start to redefine yourself as how God sees you, not as how you see you. Because Paul and Silas had an easy path in front of them. And no one would have criticized them for taking it. Nobody. All of the followers would have been like, man, that's horrible that he died, but God obviously gave you a path. But they depended on God for more. They depended on him for their very lives and for the lives of others. And they looked in that mirror. And they saw God looking back at them and saying, your identity is found in me, in nothing else. Depend on God for your identity. Trust him for the rest. That's all I got.